Hey everybody, rules is rules. Rules is rules. Think... <laughs> Do you think rules is rules is anyone's catchphrase in like a podcast or any legitimate thing? I hope not. I really I hope, hope not. Because I want it to be ours. I'm going to try it just at random points in the first like two or three minutes of our recording while we're like not in context at all to be like. So welcome to Herd Immunity where you can be heard. I put my phone on airplane mode um, from like, I don't know, eight in the morning until eight at night and, um, and then all night. So like I checked it when I got up and I used it because I'm the only person on earth that doesn't run with a watch. So I used the Nike running app on my phone, but um, so I used it for that. And then I put it back in airplane mode, left it in the room, um, shut it off, whatever. And then I turned it back on at like after the kids were in bed, checked my messages, deleted a whole bunch of work emails so I didn't have 800 to come back to, and then uh, shut it back off. Was it a success? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It really was. Good. I actually tried to do it when I got back, and I realized that airplane mode also doesn't have your alarms. <laughs> so I almost slept through work on Monday. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So are you going to be one of these people that's going to say like, you know, heck with the cell phone and you're going to do a year, a year of no cell phone? I have. People are doing that? Oh, people have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. They've been doing that's it since thing. the 80s. That sounds delightful. So Ty, are you going to do it? Uh, no. But what I, what I have done, which has made my life much simpler and it did like before all that because I didn't really know how the airplane mode was going to work versus just shutting it off versus whatever. So I shut off all push notifications except work emails and text. It has been amazing. Like it is, I haven't been on Instagram in a week and a half at all. Like, it, which means I haven't argued with like Lecrae <laughs> in my head, not in real life. <laughs> but like, I haven't had any kind of like random thoughts about how angry I was at like uh you know somebody's who's moderately famous in some circles opinion on some topic that I <laughs> am too afraid to actually put my own opinion out there about but got mad about it in my head so it's been very nice I shut off about three months ago all push notifications except for just text because that seems to be what I get the least of so if I get a text, I feel like it's probably Natalia or someone that I need to respond to because just through work at church, I'm in so many like different WhatsApp or group me uh, groups that my phone, it's always on silent, but sometimes I vibrate on throughout the entire day. It's like, zzz, 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 zzz. So mm -hmm. I just shut all that off and it is like, I now can go, I'll go a whole work day or majority of it, like the other day, I forgot my phone in my car because I just feel like I've been coming less attached to it. And I realized at like 2 o'clock when I had to call someone that I didn't have my phone with me. And I was like, that is a great feeling and a great sign. I, I had a buddy in grad school um, that, no joke, would you'd sit in class with him and if you sat beside him, it was the most annoying thing in the world. Cause his, his phone did exactly that. Josh, it just sat there and like, you know, you're listening or you're having a discussion and all you said, you're hearing. And I was like, like, dude, what, what is happening? He's like Twitter. 
He's like, people message me and group me and like, and I'm like, how do you pay attention to anything? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Why don't you just, I had a boss that said he would make sure everybody silenced their phones and then he would put his on vibrate and leave it on the table during a meeting. And when it's silent and his is the only phone that's like, this is, and then he check looks to see if it's like his wife or whatever, it would like boil my blood. Cause I'd be like, mm-hmm. that is, you just, you might as well just put your ring on because you're doing everything you would have done and everybody's just as distracted. Um, oh, that just drive me. That was a pet peeve of mine. All right. So let me ask sure. you guys a question related to this. When you get a text or an email from someone that only says, uh, hey, hey, man, what's your guy's address? What do you immediately think? They're sending you an invitation. They want me to give them money for a ministry. <laughs> I didn't know what Watch out now. I didn't Watch know what you now. were going to say. I just saw you start to laugh when you were saying it. However, coming from this person, who I know who it is, they're definitely not uh, looking for money for a ministry. Yeah, no. They might be getting money to stop a ministry. But, um, no, I just think, like, it just reminded me today of, like, how funny it is when you don't talk to someone for, like, a, you know, a couple months or even years, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, bro, what's your address? And you're just like, well, you're either getting married or you're suing me. Because that's about the only two reasons that you, yeah, you know, you would do this. I mean, since Josh knows, I, I don't really want to talk about the guy by name, but he is already married, so I'm not so sure what he's gonna send me uh, in the mail, and I hope it's not like a COVID letter or something. But so how do you? Okay, so so similar situation. Um, let's say that you got the address or you got the request for the address but you actually didn't know who it was from anymore. Like in one of the many phone, new phones or whatever, you have no idea who it is. I, in, in my case with this is I got a Father's Day, like a happy Father's Day message, and I have no idea who it was from. <laughs> like absolutely no idea who it was from. And I was like, man, is, is it going to be really rude for me to be like, um, who is this? <laughs> because I have no idea who this is. They wish me happy Father's Day, which is kind but I don't know. Or is it more rude to just not respond and act like you never got like, it? Thanks, thanks, bro. And then your mom's like, Corey, I got a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, even, so, I even did the like random Google search of the number. Yeah. I like searched in like email. Like I, I searched oh, in yeah. different places just to see if I could figure out whose number it was, and I got nothing. So here's my move with that. I, when I moved back from the DR, that was essentially my entire phone book. Someone would text me, and I would be like, oh, shoot, I have no idea who this is. And some people would text me like, hey, man, you want to, like, come over and watch, like, w- like the game? And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. So how can I, you know. So after all the searching and everything, my play is just, hey, man, you know, I appreciate it. I just got a, a new phone or I just moved <laughs> back um, and, and I can't, I don't have my contacts. Could, so who is this? I'm really sorry. Isn't that a meme? New fo- new phone who dis? Probably. But if you if you play it like that and you have a, a reasonable excuse, Corey, you could be like, yo, uh, like, I'm in the mountains and, like, some reason I just get numbers without names coming through. Who is this? Can I tell you my real fear of, of any of this? 
that the person who it actually is, I don't want to talk to. Oh right? Yeah. Like, so I ask, I ask who it is. They respond with a name, and I go, "Oh man, now I'm trapped." Like, I at least have to send like two or three messages back and <laughs> forth. I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. So that's that's my problem. And then you're like, uh, yeah, it's 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 been a while. And they're like, yeah. Speaking of been a while, it's probably been like four years. You know, there are four spiritual laws that <laughs> I knew Corey was going to get there. So um, is there a new thing where you can uh, blind copy text messages? Because that's another thing that ties into this. I have started receiving now text messages that'll be like, hey, man, would love to see you guys on Friday or whatever. And I'll respond to it, and then over the course of like the conversation, I realized that that wasn't you guys as in me and my family. It was like all the people on the text chain, but I only saw the person it was coming to because then later I'd get another text from that same number, and it'd be like, I'm so glad that you all responded to me. And I'm like, well, I'm only one person, so I'm not sure who you're talking about they have to be using like a service. Like they have to be using some like third party service, but I probably wouldn't respond to that anyhow. I'm kind of a, yeah, I stopped after the first time I stopped responding to it. I don't, don't do that to me. If you want to talk to me, text me. Mm -hmm. I had a buddy, I had a buddy when we lived in, when we lived in Texas and he's in his rule, Tyler, I've told you this before. His rule was after six months, if I haven't, if I haven't messaged you or call you called you, you're out of my contact book. He's like six, if six months, just gone, gone. That is, great it's actually like refreshing guys i purged so many penn state people about a month ago from the phone book um i was just looking like that is not a person i've talked to in 15 years <laughs> swipe 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 yep. swipe yeah yep you know i uh, had a friend this is a pet peeve of mine and it started because uh of a guy in the dr when we were living there but if someone just texts you hey man and that's it. They're waiting for you to like respond to that. But my thing is like, you're the one that made con like, tell me what you want instead mm -hmm. of like baiting me to be like, Hey man, then I, you said and went back, Hey man. And then they're like, what's up? <laughs> and then you're like, nothing. What's up with you? Yeah. And then they get into what they're originally texting you for. So I won't respond to a, Hey man. And I just let it sit. I, and I do that at work all the time. People will call me and they'll be like, hey. And that's all they say. And I'll be like, hey. And then they don't say anything else because I think they're expecting to be like, what's up? Or like, why did you call me? But I'm like, you called me. Yep. I was perfectly fine at my desk doing my thing. <laughs> so I'll just say, hey. And then I just let it sit. And they'll be like, a lot of times people are like, oh, are you, are you busy? You can't talk. Like, they infer that from my silence. And I'm just like... Yeah. No, I just don't know what you called me for. Yeah. My my brother uh, will call me. I mean, he stopped doing it now, thank heaven. Oh, no, he's he only stopped doing it because I never set up my voicemail on my new phone. So my brother will call me, right? I won't answer the phone, and he'll just be like, hey, Corey, give me a call. And I'm like, wh why? Like, why leave that voicemail? Like, I understand that if you called me and I see a missed call on my phone, I should probably call you back or just shoot me a text and be like, Hey, give me a call when you can. I want to talk to you about blah. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. don't leave me a voicemail for no reason. Like there's no reason. And he's like, Oh, but you know, uh, you, uh, you sent me to your voicemail. <sighs> okay. So, so you guys answer this then. How do you leave messages for people? 
like either t either a text that you know probably won't get answered because it's like during the workday. I never leave a voicemail. When I leave a voicemail, it is very, very formulaic, right? Hi, this is my mm -hmm. name. I'm calling about XYZ. Please give me a call back. You can reach me at my number or my email address. Again, this is my name. I'm calling about blah. You can reach me at blah. Right? Always twice. It's always twice. It's already repeated. And sometimes I repeat the, mm -hmm. the way you can get back a hold of me a third time at the very end. It all just depends on how long I rambled. I, uh, I very, very rarely leave a voicemail um, just because I feel like most people that I call repeatedly, like I, or I call, there are people that I'm going to call again and I figure, oh, they're busy, so I'll just call them an hour later or if I need something. Now, in lieu of voicemails, a lot of times what I'll do just because it's faster is I'll just send the voice note. Uh, and that's faster than even texting. Uh, so I just record what I wanted to tell them and then let it go. Because then you have to listen to it instead of being able to read it. You're an animal. You're an animal. Yeah. Like if you like if you send me text, I can look at it anywhere and like and do it in an inconspicuous way. If you send me a thing I have to listen to, then if I'm in a room with anyone else, I'm like, uh I can't and then doesn't it disappear? Like do, do some of them disappear after a little bit? Yeah. Well they'll disappear if the person listens to them but then doesn't like save them. Oh, uh, okay. I don't, that must be an iPhone thing. Cause I don't know what you guys are talking about. That was a bad one, Josh. I wouldn't do that anymore. Um, you offend people like me. I also realized responding to emails right away and texts, depending on the person can breed expectancy and dependency. And so depending on the person, even if I have time, I purposely don't respond for 24 hours, sometimes to 48 just so there's no expectation that every time they send me a message, they get an immediate response. The first thing I turn off on my on my phone, or one of the first things I turn off on my phone, is read receipts. Oh yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody to know that I've read their yep. their text. Like no, no way, no way, no way. Because even if I like accidentally like opened it, yeah. but I didn't actually read it, because I do that. I do that all the time. I mean, Tyler and one of our other buddies have this thread going right now on our like, you know, our friends chat. And like it takes me like 20 minutes to read all the stuff they write because they don't do anything ever during the day. Like they just sit there and think about these things and write them down in paragraph form via text. So I wait until the evening and then sometimes I remember and sometimes I forget. Yeah, I just think, uh, I don't know, text, like if someone calls me, I know that they need me to call them back because texting is so prevalent now that like if you call me, there's a reason that we need to talk, mm -hmm. you know, face, well, face-to-face -face, I guess that's as face-to-face -face as it gets anymore but like if so you don't need to leave me a voicemail that says hey call me back and especially because I don't know if this is again just like my specific type of phone with Verizon but I can't just listen to a voicemail and I won't pay for visual voicemail so I have to when I go listen to a voicemail it says like welcome to blah 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 and I have to type my password in and then it's like, it literally tells me everything about the voicemail that I'm just about to find out on the voicemail. It's like, <laughs> you received a phone call from 724, mm -hmm. duration 37 seconds, Friday, July 1st, 1997. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm already dead. Like, whatever you were about to tell me, I'm already yeah, dead. Doesn't matter. 
Yeah. So I hate the ones that start that are like, please leave your message after the tone, blah, blah, blah. And then there's like, you don't know because some do it and some don't. It's like, when you're done, if you'd like to blah, 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 like there's that thing like at the end, like press pound. Yeah, why do they pause there? Some of them don't have that and other ones do. So sometimes you like start to say, hey, and then it's like, and if you'd like to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's so frustrating <laughs> to me because it takes 30 seconds to leave a voicemail. At this point, I feel like they started that when cell phones were like, voicemails were like a new technology because they had to explain to everybody what it was. Now, it should just stop ringing and go, hey, this is blah, blah, blah's phone. Beep. And then you just leave a message. Yep. I, I, I told you, I haven't even turned, like I haven't even set it up right now. So people can't leave me a voicemail. Like when you don't answer and it goes to your thing and it says the mailbox is full, I'm just like, Corey, I'm on fire. Corey, I need you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, I uh, had a full mailbox for probably almost a year. I just never checked my voicemail or deleted any of them. And uh, finally, I got like a couple emails from one of the HR people with crew that's like, I've tried to leave five voicemails and I can't get a hold of you. Can you please call yeah. me back or whatever? Yeah. And every time I called you, it would say, the voicemail box belonging to you is full. Goodbye. <laughs> Did you- Hey, did did he really just give your real your real number out there? Twice, yeah. People wouldn't have known if it was really his number until you said Great that. Great job, Corey. Well, but they would have tried. They would have tried. Well, that's fine. I would have tried. I have a topic that takes a little bit to get into if if we want to go there, but we don't have to go there now. No, let's, let's go, go there. there. Let's go there. I'm so ready. I'm already there, so. I'm already there. Take a look around. Yes, can you? It's Lone Star. <laughs> I'm the sunshine in your hair. I'm like the It's <laughs> middle school dance. I'm the whisper in the wind. Okay. And I'll be there to that song? Did that guy die? Is that what the song was about? He died? I don't know. It doesn't matter what it was about. It was, that was a good moment we just had. That was a really good moment. Yeah, yeah. good point. It's like uh, All Cried Out mm. by Casey and JoJo. Oh, yeah. um, which is still a great song that I would recommend. So I tried to refrain and do try to refrain from making this show like specifically about Christian topics because there's enough of those out there. Plus, I just want it to be something that people can listen to and get whatever about. But something, uh, something melted my brain today, and it's so obvious that I just don't know if it was like there all the time and just the way that I was taught like or or, or brought up um, just meant that I never noticed it or if it's something that is maybe so simple that people don't think about it. You know the uh, like the Bible in a year things? Mm-hmm. And there's all, there's all different ones or whatever. But so... It doesn't matter why. It's a long story. But anyway, so I started one yesterday, and it was just by the Bible Project. And so it had a video that accompanied it, and then you just, like, literally just started in Genesis 1. And I've read it so many times that it just, like, and and so many commentaries on it, like, different th- thoughts of what, like, creation meant and science and, you know, modern thinking and blah, 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 whatever, that... 
I was reading it today and it just my brain melted because I thought like I'm reading my perspective of knowing at least 1% of current astrophysics that I can comprehend back into something that was written by someone that didn't know what a light year was, that didn't know that there was anything beyond the sphere or, or not even a sphere, the flat stacked place that he lived that he was writing it. You know, so Moses wrote that like God separated the waters from the waters. Like he is looking out at like mostly a desert or at least semi hilly landscape, not thinking that the earth is round not thinking that there are stars that are literally outside of that Earth's atmosphere millions and billions of light years away. Like, to him, that all existed within, like, it was really, really far up there, but it was all in the same space. Like, it was all in the same thing. There was no outer space. There was the heavens, which was just above the sky, but it was all one big coherent thing. Like, it wasn't like, oh, there's a sphere that we live on, and outside of that sphere there's some other stuff, and maybe some other planets and lights or whatever. Like, it was like, no, we needed, there was chaos and stuff, and we needed to navigate by night. So God put some stars up in the heavens, which is something we could get to if we built a tower high enough. Like, it's not, there's not no oxygen and no gravity and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'd always just thought, like, oh, it was revealed to Moses, like, the current, 2020 view mm. of astronomy and physics and he just wrote it down but like that's not the way it was right mm. I'm looking up a word <laughs> I'm trying to formulate my <laughs> thought on what you were saying the, the other thing I thought was if like obviously God can do anything so if Moses was writing down literally the creation story that would align with the big bang mm -hmm. and billions of years of cosmology so that someday 2000 years later people would be able to agree that science and and christianity aren't at odds with each other if moses knew all of what we knew now even for a split second as he wrote down genesis 1 through 3 or 1 through 2 did he just forget it all? Like, why did it take thousands of years after that for people to understand that we lived on a globe and that there were stars that were actually outside of that globe and that there was a sun and that there that was outside of that? And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I've I've never I've never thought about that before, right? Like, I've never thought about the fact that you know you would write it, you know. So first things first, inspired, right? Like it's it, inspired word of mm -hmm. God. Okay, so boom. But still, you would write it in a way that would make sense, you know, to you and the, the people that are going to read it, right? Like, so it's not like you know, you're not going to use words like relativity or you're not going to use words like time dilation, right? Like, like those right. words don't make sense to people, you know, back then. Okay. Even to your point, right. you know, like round earth, right? Like those words don't even make sense to anybody back then, right? Like the, that, it's like the concept of it doesn't right. make sense. Okay. So the word I was looking up, the reason I was so quiet was because I was looking up the word firmament. In my mind, like, would that have been common knowledge back then? Mm. Firmament, a vast solid dome created by God on the second day to divide a primal sea into upper and lower so dry land could appear. Well, I think what I realized today, at least the way I read it, is that he the heavens is everything above us. 
but it's under the dome of water or the, the layer of water that holds the water that eventually becomes rain. So like when it says God separated the waters from the waters, that was putting the rain waters way, way up, up, up above the heavens where the birds fly and the other waters like seas and, and lakes and stuff. But they wouldn't have even known what an ocean was. Mm -mm. Moses didn't know what an ocean was. You know what I mean? So the heavens is where, because if you look, it's like God puts birds in the heavens. Well, then heavens can't mean outer space. Yeah, I think to Corey's point a little bit, like we have to realize that they would have to have used words and vocabulary they had at that time to convey the meaning of the text in a way that the people of that time could understand. I keep thinking of Ezekiel when he has his first vision and it's, he uses the word like in the form of or in the likeness of or in the appearance of and the reason he does that is because our vocabulary is imperfect to describe a perfect god so like he has to use metaphor in order to describe as close as our fallen language can his vision of a holy great god and so and also in a way that the people of israel in exile at that time could understand what he was talking about. So you have to use common words. And so, one, it's amazing to think that Moses, you know, wrote that. Obviously, it's divinely inspired. But think about that. Like, he would have, obviously, he wasn't there at the beginning, but he also would have never seen a sea. So, I mean, well, I guess he would have seen a, could have potentially seen a sea, but not necessarily an ocean until the Red Sea. You know, I'm assuming he probably, they knew of that, obviously, before the exodus but to use words to convey like they must have had some knowledge or notion like a, a common knowledge and i think too we might be th not thinking much about like oral tradition that had been passed down at, at a time where they have you know there may have been some common understanding or definition of the heavens and the earth and the firmament and the sky and the waters Right, but I'm I'm just saying, like, at the time, even in oral tradition, like, nobody knew that there was an outer space. Sure. Like, they would have had no conception of stars not being just stuck in the sky. They would have just, in essence, referred to them as lights in the sky, right? Like, yeah. Right. And that, God, and that God put the lights there. Yeah, for, to help them navigate. I mean, it even says that for navigation. So, like, to me, it became this thing of, like, ordering chaos in all these different realms so like at first i've always i've always ever since the first time i heard it i've always really liked the view that the that genesis 1 1 is more of like a title or a summation in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth like that's that's a theological bedrock kind of statement and then after that is like how he did it so so you're separating creation from order from like organization and order, right? Like, so, yeah. so the one yeah, says yeah, yeah, created, yeah. and then let's talk about how I organized yep. all this stuff. Might have been, mm -hmm. are you are you going as far as to say it might have been billions right. of years later, or? I don't know that, but I guess what I am saying is that I had always thought, okay, so then it says the earth was formless and void, and I'd always just assumed that earth was a substitute for the whole universe, and that was describing how God like ordered the universe or mm -hmm. whatever. But that's not what it says. Like, I was trying to read 2020 or whatever year uh, knowledge of the universe into it instead of just reading it and being okay with it not describing how God 
ordered the entire universe mm-hmm. and just showing like that God that there was so much disorder in the early earth and that God ordered it all because if you even look at how he populated it with creatures it follows the same pattern as the ordering of it right so it was like seas and then eventually sea creatures the heavens and then eventually birds the land and then eventually land mammals so like they they followed the same pattern Mm -hmm. and so it just seemed to me to make sense that it was like okay everything was chaos nothing could happen until god made it happen but that's not necessarily describing like how the milky way was formed or whatever that's literally just describing how the earth was formed and because it says it was formless right so it's just describing how the earth was formed and turned into the place where adam could be put into a garden so like I'm not saying it I'm not saying it doesn't because it does follow logically how scientifically the Earth would have formed, cooled, the waters would have separated, land would have appeared, you know, all, volcanism, like all that stuff you can read back into it. I don't think it disputes any of that necessarily, but I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I had thought my whole life that that was the main goal of it was like try to line up science with the religious truth in a sort of answers in Genesis type way, versus just saying like. Look, it's not necessarily taking a hardline position on that. It's describing, it's describing what it says it's describing, which is how God formed the earth and like made it into an ordered place that man could could help him. So this is this is interesting to me because we I get into these mental um, gymnastics all the time where it's like science versus God, right? And it's like I think it's a terrible false dichotomy. First, right. Second. Tyler, to your point that you just made, I think I think that's a that's a great point. Like, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how everything was done. I don't think that's the point of the Bible to tell us how everything was done. Like, mm-hmm. like I think if we try to go that far, we're we're missing the point. Like, we are completely missing yeah. the point, right? Right. Okay, and that's and that's all fine and good. That was my my point. We can't read into Scripture what it doesn't say, and so. If Moses doesn't give us, if God through Moses inspired doesn't give us the how, like I think one of the problems we have is people, we're trying to make the Bible say something that it doesn't say or to defend a point or an argument. And so we're taking, like you were saying, our 2020 perspective into a te- an ancient text, but also trying to use it as a proof text for maybe what we believe rather than, and what it says doesn't necessarily it doesn't contradict anything necessarily scientific you know there's there's biblical ways of interpreting these first couple chapters that that can align with with things you know scientists are are learning and everything but i think one of the things that i'm like really passionate about is we need to take scripture at face value for what it says in the original truth what was the truth or the meaning or the 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 subject matter and the meaning that the original writer was communicating to the original audience of this text and and why i think to me it pointed out my lack of you know to what you just said if if the bible didn't tell us exactly how everything was in a way that refuted atheistic natural humanism Mm -hmm. then i didn't have anything to stand on so first of all so i don't think that's true anymore like i think you have to have enough faith to say like yeah i trust that the bible is true as it's written and also it doesn't tell us some things Mm -hmm. and that's okay it only tells us what it what it's supposed to tell us Mm -hmm. and that's okay Mm -hmm. obviously you would say it's absurd 
if you said, well, let, let, I don't know how long I'm supposed to be on my cell phone today. Let me look in the Bible. But like there are certain things that happened after the canon was, was fully formed that we just take for granted and say, of course, the Bible doesn't say specifically about speeding or something. But like we can look back to it for these things. But for some reason in Genesis, I, I, maybe it's just me, but I feel like a lot of us get tripped up with like, no, it has to say exactly what happened so that we can stand up and yell at Sam Harris and say, you're wrong, the Bible's right. But that's not what it's saying. Maybe I'm the only one, no. but it just hit me today when I read it. They're like, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I think, I, I hadn't thought of it. The the thing that's that's new and interesting to me that I hadn't thought about, and I'm going to have to wrestle around with this, is um, what... Moses knew when he wrote, right? Like, and I was like, I've never really reflected on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've always just been like, oh yeah, he wrote mm -hmm. down what he yep. was inspired to write down and yada, yada, yada. But it's like, that's interesting to think about what he knew or what the people at the time knew. Okay, but here's what I do. I want to put a target on both of your backs, like a big gigantic target on both of your backs and mine, right? Uh, young earth, old earth. Go. Ah, uh, yes. come on. <laughs> so here's what I say. This is This is not my... This is not my cop-out answer, but here's what I say. I say that, you know, science and everything points to the fact that it would be old Earth. And, you know, there's the whole interpretation of is a day actually, you know, a 24-hour day? Or, you know. Mm -hmm. But my other thing is, in faith, God is God. And so if he created it in six days and rested on the Sabbath, then God can do that. If I say God couldn't do that, then he wouldn't be God because there'd be something that he couldn't do. I don't know why he would do that and why he would create an earth to maybe look old with, you know, all this stuff. Leaning would maybe be closer to old earth, but I also don't refute the fact that God is God. And if he did it in seven days, then he did it in seven days. I have a book uh, that I haven't started yet called um, Science and God, and it's all about time dilation and how, like... Is it Gerald Schroeder? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay. it Go is. Good. Yeah. Because it's all about how, like, you could literally get seven days to be, um, you know, 14 billion years due to time dilation. So let me read that book, and then I'll answer it for you. What is time dilation? It deal has to deal with the speed of light since the since the Big Bang. Um, and it's, it's uh, actually, there was some, some woman, I can't remember her name. She might have written the foreword to the book, so I can look it up, but... Uh, she had a website that was all about this. And she was like, I'm pretty sure she was either an astrophysicist or something like that. And she... Her name's Sarah Salaviander. You're awesome, man. Are you in my head? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Did you send me her website? How did I get that? I don't remember. I might have, but go ahead. So anyway, I was reading her website and she recommended this book or she recommended this guy. And so that's how I found it. But everything she said made a ton of sense to me. And I... Like, I think I've said this before, even though I don't grasp more than two to three percent of it, I love astronomy and I love physics, astrophysics. And so that kind of stuff is just so fascinating to me that I want it to be true. Here's what I think. And this could be a whole separate episode. I think that the, pro the problem I have, I tend to listen to more progress progressive Christian, like if I'm going to listen to a podcast or whatever, um, just for whatever reason, that's what it tends to be. And the argument that I have with a lot of progressive theology in any form, I'm kind of just broadly painting the whole group. They start with feeling. Like, I don't feel like a loving God would let this happen. I don't feel like um, 
you know, it's fair if this happens mm -hmm. or this isn't loving to let people die mm -hmm. or whatever. And they're focusing on human experiences and emotions as the ultimate. Like, like that if someone dies a horrible death on earth, that's the worst thing that could happen to them. But they're missing the point that that's not the worst thing that could happen to them. So all that to say, I don't want to start off with, I feel like the earth is really old <laughs> because that's not what I get when I read scripture. I get that it's young. But I can't, I feel like I need to go back and reread everything in light of the kind of epiphany brain melt that I had today and see what I really think. But I would have said to be consistent with everything else that I think about the Bible, I would have had to say that I think the earth is young because I just, that's what I get when I read the Bible. But I acknowledge that there are plenty, even just today, just the first, I think I ended up reading the first seven chapters, like there are enough there are enough gray areas there that you could get. Like, so for example, uh, Adam and Eve had Cain, and then uh, again, she bore Abel, and then it tells the story of Cain and Abel, um, and then and then it tells the story of Cain's genealogy down to Lamech. Uh, it says Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. But it doesn't say when that was. So it just at some point in the future, Cain had a kid named Enoch, and then it lists everybody down to Lamech, and Lamech was like super evil. Um, then it says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. But it doesn't give the timeline. Obviously, Seth wasn't born after Lamech. So it wasn't like Cain had all these generations and then Lamech. Um, so, so all the years there are kind of jumbled up. And then it says, uh, blah, 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 a genealogy from Adam to Noah. So obviously there were girls involved in creating the people down to Noah, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. it says, after everyone, it says, had other sons and daughters. But then in chapter 6, at the very beginning, after this genealogy, it says, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. It's just like a weird kind of thing that's thrown in there to me. Anyway, my point, the point with all of that rambling that I was doing about daughters and and men and whatever is that as part of an old earth uh, creation story um, I, I appreciate that it doesn't necessarily list out every person that was ever born from Adam to Noah it's you know it's the same thing with the genealogies in the New Testament of Jesus and that, that they're kind of ordered in a way to prove a point they're not listing everyone that was ever born in between Adam and Jesus right it's just it's just kind of a little bit of a poetic uh, device and so if the earth is um, billions of years old I actually kind of accept that and if humans have been around for 65,000 years I can accept that too in the gray areas of those genealogies so I would say as a, also as a cop-out answer <laughs> I'm probably a young earth creationist just based on how I read the text but I wouldn't defend it to the death if someone put a gun to my head and said, be an old earth creationist, I'd say, please don't put a gun to my head. That's not very nice. <laughs> and then I would say, okay, fine, I'll be a, an old earth creationist. The thing that actually trips me up in that question is not geology so much as uh, sin and death. So like, if you, if you accept the fact that God created animals for over millions of years and then created people over 65,000 years, but 65,000 years ago is the first time that sin and death entered the world. Then how did all the animals die 
And if you read in Genesis, God gave us and the animals fruit trees to eat, not each other to eat. So, so were they all animals vegetarians? Like what ha you know, that that's actually what trips me up in, in old earth. It's not the physics of it, it's not the geology of it, it's the sin and death part of like what happened because if you accept old earth why not accept the geological record right that these animals were around at this time period and they died out and got buried and whatever but like but like why did they die yeah so i i am comfortable with the dissonance that i have in my brain right now like and and it's like I haven't figured out a way to resolve it. Like I haven't figured out a way that I think makes the most sense. But it's like I am comfortable with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, but it's definitely there. So here's what I tell you: um, the Bible says that the Earth was created in six days, and you know, like everything was created in six days. Okay, I believe that to be true, that everything was created in six days. And and here's our caveat here: our current understanding of science. Our current understanding of science says that things are billions of years old, right? And that there's this whole record of dinosaurs were millions of years ago and, you know, all this stuff. Those two things are the dissonance in my brain, right? Like there is current scientific evidence of not 6,000 years, but the Bible tells us that it's literally, you know, if you do the, the dating or the, you know, math back it would be about six thousand years old for young earth creation so what is the solution to that i don't know like one of the possibilities right ty is what we what you talked about right with schroeder's uh time dilation thing and relativity and like that we're just now starting to understand how that could be six days and a billion years all at the same time right or in billions of years all at the same time do you know another thing it could be it could be that god created things with age right like and, and that's totally fine, like that he actually created things that when we look at it, when we carbon date it right now, it carbon dates and looks like it's billions of years old or millions of years old or whatever it is, right? Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Like, maybe that's the way it is. The other thing that I understand is scientific theories are theories, right? Like, we don't have all the answers yet. We don't understand everything yet. So, therefore, for me to say that it's completely old earth doesn't jive and for me to say that there isn't a i don't understand between the six literal days and what we're finding finding scientifically i that's not true either because i do have like some sort of a uh, i don't know how i feel about that kind of a thing there that's my stance on it well i do have a book called answers in genesis you might want to read <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling like i understand which way that's gonna point me uh, yeah yeah well, the only thing about the creating Earth with age thing to me is that it seems arbitrary in relation to the rest of in the relation to the rest of Scripture. Like if you look at what I've learned, which I, you know took me all these years to actually like kind of understand it or part of it, but like so many things are related to each other in the Bible, related to stories that are core and key to the whole thing, and and how we understand our life and our relationship with God, that creating the earth arbitrarily old seems random. It just seems like it just seems out of character with the rest of the text. Moses isn't writing about creating. I mean, it says he created the stars and everything, but he's not, 
he doesn't actually say he, like he says he put them in the heavens and he ordered them for being able to navigate so i really feel like he's talking about creating the earth and if that's true then and now i know to to people back then the earth was all there was, was the universe right i mean there was no universe outside of the universe but he is specific so he's but he's not talking about creating alpha centauri and ui scooty he's talking about creating earth because that's all he knew that there was and the lights weren't stars that were hydrogen bombs going off billions of times a second they were lights like for all he knew it was the light that god said let there be light it was just a smaller one and there was the light to govern the day and the light and the lesser light to govern the night right so like the sun and the moon were just lights that were up there they weren't other celestial bodies necessarily now i do subscribe to the view that maybe he thought and maybe they are assigned certain you know this is a whole separate thing too but like the whole sons of god being part of like god's heavenly council um you know that there are other beings that that are in like the spiritual realms i mean that's all throughout the bible and so and so maybe moses was talking about the fact that like they're not that the sun is a demon or an angel but like they're assigned you know those kind of rulers or, or princes or whatever that paul even talks about later um, but I just think when we look at it as Moses is talking about how, uh, you know, Andromeda was created versus the Milky Way versus, you know, Beetlejuice versus the sun, you know, that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he was trying to talk about, I don't think. You know, he was saying, look, when you guys on this journey to the promised land look up at night, you see more lights in the sky than you can count. How do you think those got there? Well, I'm going to tell you how they got there, right? He's not saying, and by the way, they're nuclear chain reactions yeah, that yeah, exist yeah. Light, light years away. Um, so to say that, like, and, and I guess as I'm talking, that kind of bums me out with the whole time dilation thing, is that he's not necessarily trying to say that that's time dilation is necessary to explain how God separated the waters from the waters. Like, why would that have, that wouldn't, I guess, Josh, maybe that was your point. Like, that wouldn't have taken billions of years to separate the waters from the waters. So, if that was day two or day three, like, that, why, why did that take so, you well, know, it, it just. If you, if you truly believe that God's all-powerful, right, it doesn't, like, no, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right, like, all-powerful and all-knowing, it doesn't matter. Like, he can do it. Like yeah. he, he can do it, right? He can he, yeah. can he can he can do it with a snap of a finger, or he can do it in a billion years, right? Like he can do it however he wants to do it, and there's no, it doesn't matter. Like like I should, it doesn't matter. Sounds too flippant, but that's really how I feel about it. Is like, it I I don't need to know the mechanics of it, to in order to be convinced that, the Bible is true. So I would say try this. Uh, read. Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, and draw just draw on a piece of paper what is said, and uh, without your preconceived notion. So don't start with a circle when he says the earth was form and or voidless, void and without form. It's a straight line, or like a bunch of lines, or a, or a, you know what I mean. And then just draw it out, and it's very interesting what you get when you do that uh, if you don't do it from our perspective. Um, the other thing that waked me out, uh, uh, that's too strong. It didn't really, but it, it just stuck out to me as a way that I've never really read it before. 
Um, it's it says that God uh, created. Um, you know, on the first day, it says that God saw that it was good. But why would God see that it's good? Wouldn't he know that it was going to be good before he did it? Like, the way it says it is almost like God was like, oh, hey, that's good. I like that. I'll keep it. But but would, but he would have known that ahead of time, you know, right? So God saw that it was good doesn't make any sense to me. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Like, hey, 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 you all, like, God said this was good, so it's good. Like, actually, so I, I, I heard on a video yesterday, um, and I'd heard this before, but it just blows my mind. If you believe in, you know, old earth uh, chronology, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was alive closer to us than it was to Stegosaurus. So T-Rex died out 65 million years ago at the explosion in the Yucatan, the Chicxulub crater. Um, and Stegosaurus died out at a, at a um, extinction event 80 million years before that. I watched a super great and terrifying video on the impact of that crater and how it literally turned the rocks into beads of glass on fire. And it said, the video was like, and and if you thought the explosion was bad, and all of Mexico, all of mo- what's mo- now modern day Mexico was not only leveled but on fire, it only gets worse. They're <laughs> they're like they're like it ejected enough mass uh, from the from the earth, actually below the crust of the earth into the atmosphere, that it turned the d- the dirt into. Fl- uh, glass balls that were on fire and anything that was living in a savanna or out in the open field would have immediately burst into flames <laughs> but, <laughs> and okay, i was like okay wow okay so so you're you're proving my point a little bit according to whom like who saw that where's the video like how do we know that because in my mind that's just somebody speculating wildly about how that w- might have happened uh in the same way that i can say that theoretically if Isaac Newton dropped an apple, it would have fallen to the earth at 9.8 meters per second. I can say that now. Like, they're using physics that we know works now in our world to say, well, here's how big this crater is. Here's roughly the size of something that would have had to hit earth to cause it. Like, it would either have to been this size at this speed or this size at this speed, but there's a range there. And either way, give or take, it would have caused this to happen, we're assuming, because that's what happened today. See, we I, know that I don't, based I don't on buy physics. That. Like, I still don't buy that, that argument because, okay, the, the apple dropping thing, we've been able to test that a billion times. Right? Like, we've been able to test it a billion times. We're, we haven't tested a large mass of rock smashing into another larger, more massive rock. Okay, but let's say I took a stick of dynamite and I jammed it into a gopher hole and I lit it on fire. If you came to me and said, hey, what would happen if I stuck 10 sticks of dynamite down this gopher hole in my backyard? I could pretty accurately describe to you 10 times what ha- – I mean, we have impacts all the time on Earth, right? So they could take any one of those and, and, and just put it out exponentially. So, so if the 
laws hold true. When you get to things that are that large, if the same laws that work for the small things hold true, I, I can buy that. But it's like, what if they don't, Tyler? If they didn't, we wouldn't have a space program. Like, that's how they launch things into space. That's how, I mean, it's all the same physics. I'd, I actually was going to say this earlier. I think what would be really funny, because there's so, like, there's so much speculation about stuff that science passes over as like, eh, it's within the margin of error. But the scale they're talking about, the margin of error is like a billion years yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be hilarious if they found out that uh, that general relativity breaks down at certain distances, or like uh, quantum, you know, like quantum field theory or whatever breaks down. Like they assume these things work to the nth degree. Um, like, like for example, they know that general relativity. I think I'm getting this right. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. I watched enough freaking videos on it. General relativity works for stuff like out in space, right? But quantum things are really small, and I and so they they know the limitations or what they think the limitations of the theories are now. Um, but a lot of these documentaries, if you watch them on YouTube, someone picks a solution to the set of like Einstein's equations and then works backwards. Like they know what they want to get, and then they see if they can prove it. Yeah. And so, and if they can't, they'll just add in a constant. Like, oh, well, we need the this constant in there. What's that do? Well, that's kind of a placeholder for when we really discover dark matter or dark energy. And it's like, what if physics is wrong? So, like, that would be the funniest thing to me. So that's my whole point, right? Like, is yeah. what if when you're talking about a gigantic, super energetic mass moving faster than we can even comprehend right with more energy than we can even comprehend smashes into another gigantic or even more gigantic thing like i get what you're saying to me that like they have to hold up to some level yes they do because it's worked yeah. and we we know that it's worked but where does it hold up to tyler like it may break like i'm thinking there there is the it is not implausible to think that that breaks at some point at some point but what you're suggesting is that I shouldn't trust airplanes because just because paper airplanes work doesn't mean that giant 737s should fly. But it does mean that, and it would be hilarious if dark matter and dark energy were just mistakes in physics. And here's the other thing, physics and naturalism, and at least the videos I watch and the things I read are more as dogmatic as any religion that's out there. So don't let them try to tell you that they're searching for the truth above all because they're not. They're searching to justify the theory that they had at best. At worst, they're searching to get more money for their grants. So it's not like this pure thing that's out there. Just, just and, and another thing, we can, you can cut this later if you want, but I'd love to talk about sometime is, are we, is math uh, the fundamental principle of the universe in in the in in math itself like do basically do the equations work out because there's an underlying basis to reality that's that's based in math or are we inventing math to describe things that already happen like do the symbols are the symbols themselves representations of a deeper truth about god's universe even even maybe even like the properties of god that he's revealed to us or are we discovering things and naming them and it just happens to work out Thank you.
Thanks for listening. You can find out more and be heard by going to herdimmunitypod.com.